doing something special. It's not necessarily tied to last week or, or next week, which is kind of its own thing, but it's going to be really powerful this morning. And, you know, hopefully, if you've been coming to eat this for a while, if you're, you're about to begin a journey with us here, hopefully there's something you pick up on, that, that week after week, we try to communicate a pretty simple truth, that we serve a God who does not stand distant. Uh, the story of God we really believe in, that we've experienced, is that we didn't have to go searching for God. But the story of the gospel is that, that God became flesh in Jesus, and he came and found us. And uh, that was true 2,000 years ago when Jesus came to the earth, but it's true now that we serve a God that, that looks for us, that finds us, and he doesn't only find us where we are, but he loves us deeply wherever we are. That no matter where you are on the spiritual spectrum this morning, wherever you found yourself this weekend, whatever last night looked like for you, that God finds you where you are and he loves you. Okay? That's the truth of God. And then secondly, just as true, just as powerful, is that not only does he find you where you are and love you there, but he brings healing and restoration. He doesn't leave you where you are. So any brokenness, any shame, any healing that's needed, God doesn't just find you where you are and go, oh man, that's too bad. He finds you where you are and he brings healing and redemption and grace to believe your ethos. You know, I think about a couple of stories that reflect these truths. So there was this guy named Zacchaeus. Anybody remember Zacchaeus in the Christian Bible? Zacchaeus was a big little man. <laughs> But Zacchaeus was this guy, he was this tax collector, right? So Zacchaeus finds himself in this pretty crazy situation. He was a, a Jewish tax collector working on behalf of the Roman government who was oppressing the Jewish people. So at this moment, he had a guy working for the enemy, the oppressor, ripping off his brothers and sisters to make himself wealthy on behalf of the enemy, all right? He's hiding in a tree as Jesus is doing what he's doing, preaching in power, and Jesus sees him. And this is so cool. Zacchaeus kind of went looking for Jesus, but really wanted to say didn't. But Jesus finds him and says, what? Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And immediately shows Zacchaeus, like, I'm invested in finding you where you're at in your journey and showing you friendship. And then what's the result of that friendship? So he finds Zacchaeus where he's at, shows him love, and the result of that is Zacchaeus finding true life. I think giving away like fourfold what he had ever stolen from his own people. That's what it looks like for God to find you where you are and to take you somewhere new, to bring renewal, to bring redemption in. I say all that. Because a few months ago, we started this thing called Ethos Stories. And it's where we started asking people in our family to share where they've seen God's redemption in their life. Because we understand that there's a tendency to be on Sundays to go, oh, this is where we talk about what God's doing. But the truth is, God is invested in your stories throughout the week. Every day, God is doing something in each and every one of our lives. Bringing renewal, bringing redemption. And this one specific Sunday, we had a, a really awesome woman share a story where she'd seen God's redemption. And we just sensed the power of God. And I'm going to leave that name in suspense because she's not going to see. So anyway. But she just shared a story. It was so powerful. We just sensed God in it. And since then, she's left her job behind and is just feeling called to lead this ministry that was a result of the redemption she's seen in her own life. And it's a place of brokenness that people live in. And they need redemption in this area. And God has brought redemption in her life. And she's going to let her story uh, be a conduit of God's redemption in others' lives. Does that make sense? That sin is so complicated that it needs to be. She's been redeemed. She wants, to, uh, she wants others to, to find redemption in Jesus' advanced story. So, Sarah Sullivan, I want you to come up here. Give Sarah a hand. Sarah is on the staff here. She's our campus coordinator, which means she's basically our backbone here at Ethos. So, she coordinates all volunteers. Everything you see here, Sarah was pretty much making it all happen. All right, that's 
Sarah. So she just kind of runs things here. Except for the sound. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's not us. That's not me. Yes, that's someone else. Anyway. Um, so Sarah is leading this thing called a grow class this summer. Um, and we thought it'd be a, a great time for her to share her story, but also let you know that this summer we're going to start these things called grow classes where house churches take a break for the summer. And we ask 30 or so leaders to lead a specific topic in this thing called a grow class. And typically it's a topic that's near and dear to their heart. Um, and so we're going to have slide-ups for those in the next couple of weeks. And we just wanted to give you a glimpse of the types of leaders that we're asking to lead these grow classes. Because we think it's a, a really special season to join in on a group and just to, to search something that makes your heart come alive. Like, there's a topic that draws interest. We just want you to know you can trust the leader that is leading that discussion. Like, they are after the heart of God. And it is near and near their heart. And so Sarah's going to give a glimpse into this. And what she's talking about today, she's going to be talking about all summer. It's going to be awesome. Um, but real quick, I just want to pray over you. As you're about to share this very cool story, I'm going to stop. <laughs> do you do? Okay, let's pray over Sarah. That's going to be awesome. God, thank you so much for your power. Thank you, God, that you're real. And thank you for the power of story, that stories can help us understand your realness. And I just pray, God, that today, that for anyone here that desperately needs to hear the truth that is in Sarah's story, Father, would you help their hearts to be open? Would you help my heart to be open? Help us to receive what your spirit is saying, God. Would you become more real to us this morning? Would you help freedom not to be a far-fetched thought, but a, a present reality for us? I know that there is brokenness and shame and darkness in our lives that just can easily exist. But God, I know that you long to bring freedom and that that can be hard to believe. But I pray, God, that through sin, would your truth be uh, so just clearly within our grasp that freedom is available to us now? In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for Sarah one more time. Um, sorry, I have some notes, so I'm not going to But I'm really excited to share with you guys today. Um, my hope is that in my story, you will see pieces of your story and that you will be able to relate and that you might um, be able to see where God has been working in your life, or perhaps where He's calling you out of something in your life. Um, in the past year and a half, I've been seeing and experiencing God's faithfulness and His redemption so in such a monumental way, I can't even begin to describe. Well, I'm going to begin to describe it um, actually. But I have been working through recovery for the last year and a half from a serious addiction to pornography. And that was uh, part of something that I used in my life for 23 years. I had been exposed to it when I was five years old. And it's one of my very first memories. I don't really, I don't remember a life without porn. And um, at being about five years old, exposure to porn is considered a sexual trauma. And I didn't, I didn't know that until you know, the last year or so of with counselors. But my brain didn't know how to react. And so its response was to just want more and I was hooked on it. And sexual addiction, a lot of times, um, when it's, you know, at a certain level of severity, either the user uses it like a drug. And so I used porn as a drug. I was using it to escape my reality and know myself anytime I felt any kind of negative emotion. And so um, I grew up, I was a very volatile child um, with my emotions, and I was very angry and um, had a lot of depression. And so I knew myself with porn, and I kept using that. Um, and parallel to my life with porn was my life with God. I grew up in a Christian home. I had wonderful, loving parents, and they were—they loved the Lord. They were—they were great examples of Christ to me. And um, I, you know, went to a church and went to a Christian school, and I accepted Christ when I was about five years old, also. 
And so now, you know, I was starting this journey of growing up hearing the word of God, hearing the truths of God, but listening and believing the lies of form. And I think that's something that we so often do in our life is we, you know, we'll read our Bible, we'll, we'll see what God is telling us, we'll come here, Josh, speak on a Sunday, and we'll hear what God's telling us, but we're not actually listening, we're not actually believing that. Instead, we're listening to the media or to uh, our parents or a boss or the lies inside of ourselves that Satan has us telling ourselves. And um, that was just something that um, became so detrimental to me growing up. Um, I, I was not telling you about it. You know, little kids, they kind of know all your parents out there. They know and they did something wrong, even if it's not something that you told them was wrong, but they can sense it and so they hide. It's like when you come into your house and your dog is like it's tail between its legs. I'm like, I know you did something, but it runs away from you and then you see the disaster. Um, I was hiding this sin that I knew was bad, I knew it was wrong, even though I completely grasped that I knew what porn was and um, the severity that it was in my life, but I was hiding it because I was ashamed. And I think secrecy, Satan uses secrecy as a huge weapon to fill us with shame. And I was consumed by it, which led to more depression and more specifically, significantly, self hate. I hated myself my entire life. And I coped with porn. It was a vicious cycle. I felt bad. I used porn. Porn made me feel bad. I used porn. Um, and so this was kind of, you know, unraveling through my entire childhood. I, like I said, I went to a Christian school. I went to a, a small church. And um, I never even I was surrounded in a kind of in this Christian bubble and by really amazing people serving the Lord. I never really heard any healthy, what I would consider healthy conversation surrounding sex or sexual sin within a Christian context. Um, I heard porn spoken about once at a middle school youth retreat, and the speaker only addressed the boys and only, you know, this kind of fireworks when it's bad, repent, turn away. And there was no, you know, help to do that. There was no leading in that. Um, and also, I never really heard it spoken to women. You know, there was nothing talked about sexual sin or sexual brokenness in regards to women. Um, the only time I heard that was really when it, you know, they told you to, you know, keep sex in the marriage and you had to, you know, remain pure for marriage. And so I grew up really believing the lie that my only value was found in sexual purity as a woman and that my identity was my sexual brokenness. And I wasn't sexually pure. So I didn't think I had any value. You know, I thought I was worthless. And I also was wearing this identity of sexual brokenness and sin around uh, with a scarlet letter, but nobody can see it but me, which made me feel even worse, and I hoped with porn. Um, around that time, you know, going into high school, um, I kind of came to this, this reasoning of, if anybody knew who I really was, what I really was, they would never be able to truly love me. How could somebody truly love me when I can even like myself? And that's something that, um, plagued me all through high school. You know, that's the kind of time people start dating, and I just was terrified of letting anybody get close to me or get to know me, because I just knew that nobody would love me. I had no worth or value to bring to anybody. Um, I even thought that my, you know, parents would have been really like me, and I didn't tell my family. It wasn't until my senior year of high school and then my freshman year of college that um, I told two of my sisters, and um, it was such a burden lifted, but at that time, they people weren't really talking about porn addiction. It wasn't a thing. Um, and so they didn't really understand 
what to do or how to help me, and they didn't understand kind of the intensity of it in my life because I didn't let them know that. Um, I kind of just said it casually and you know hoped that they would still accept me, and, and they did. They loved me, and um, they had actually you know helped me find some different software programs for accountability and that I you know tried using, but none of that worked. You know I was an addict, so I found ways around that. And um, college became a very very dark time for me in my life. Um, I went to school in Boston my freshman year, but I absolutely hated it. Um, and I had my roommate I loved her, but other than that, I just, you know, was kind of in this depression, lonely funk, and so I hoped all the time for it. And that's kind of what got me through a lot of those years of college. And I kind of hit this point where I was so desperate for healing, and I knew I needed to make a change. I didn't know what that looked like. So I decided to uh, talk to one of my pastors, and um, looking back now, I, I thought for sure that, oh, if I tell the pastor, like, it'll go away. Like, he's the one that's kind of leading me and guiding me in my spiritual journey. Like, of course, if I tell the pastor, like, God will help me take this away from my life. And, you know, my pastor will support me. Um, so I walked in, and I mean, he knew I was going to meet with him and didn't know what I was going to say. And I started just burst out into tears and then told him about this addiction that I had my entire life. And he just looked at me in shock. He didn't know what to do. Um, they, you know, again, in church, it wasn't talked about. You know, no one's talking about this in a woman, you know, struggling with a sexual sin, like, shock. So um, he gave me a business card from an organization that was about an hour drive away in the city of Philly, and I was a broke college student. I was about to drive an hour and pay a stranger and tell them about all these dark, shameful things that I'm just now, you know, disclosing to people. So I didn't really think that that was an option. And I kind of felt like I hit another dead end and saw it as more proof that God wasn't helping me in this and that he just, you know, let me go. <coughs> um, I've prayed my different seasons of life. You know, I can specifically remember being in my elementary gym school t-shirt on my knees and I were praying that God would take this away from me. And I can remember in high school praying that God would take this away from me. I knew that I couldn't do it on my own and he never did. And I blamed him for that. I blamed him for the addiction after that. I grew to resent him, and um, I really, really lost my belief in the power of prayer and in God's faithfulness for me. I didn't see that, and I was really angry at him. And so when this pastor, you know, who was supposedly, you know, the answer to my prayers, couldn't, didn't help me because he didn't know how, you know, looking back now, I just didn't know how, and so that's sort of confirmation that God was very apathetic to my situation. Um, a year after college, I moved to Nashville, moved here, and um, that was a time in my life where I kind of just settled into a routine. I resigned myself that, you know, I would always kind of have porn in my life, and thought also that maybe it wasn't even that bad, because if it was truly that bad, like if God really wanted it to be out of my life, he would have helped me with that in the past, and he hadn't. So um, I settled into this routine of unhealthy relationships, the most, you know, significant one being with myself. Um, now that I was an adult, I still was struggling with this, and you know, my whole life I thought, oh, you know, I'll get over this, and I'm, you know, when I'm older and I'm stronger and I'm closer to God, like I'll be able to overcome this. And now here I was in my mid twenties, and I was, you know, still in deep, and I just thought I'm the worst person. Like I, I just, who am I? Like, can God even love me? Because I have this in my life, and I clearly am not good enough to do anything about it or be able to do anything about it. Um, so again, more self-hate, more depression, more more. Um, it was during this time that I started to really just feel again that need that I felt college of 
want great community investment. I want to get closer to God. How do I do that? What does that look like? And so, you know, I, I was always, you know, active in church kind of life, but I really just tried to start praying more and try to, and try to see if I could believe in that and, and see God working in that. I tried to uh, really put a lot of time and energy into my Christian friendships and grow closer in that. I became more active at Ethos here when we launched this campus. And I was frustrated because I was doing all of these things and nothing was happening. And I just felt like God wasn't looking up his end of the bargain. Like, here I was trying. Like, where are you, God? I realize now, looking back on that, that I can't expect God to get closer to God and be in a deeper relationship with Him if I'm not giving Him half of my life. I can give Him the half that comes up, you know, comes to church on Sundays. I can give Him the half that, you know, gives Him 10 minutes in the morning and prays or reads my Bible or, you know, has a deep theological conversation with my girlfriend. I can say that that is me really trying and giving my life to Christ, but it wasn't. I still have in my heart and my addiction and shame that I was holding with a very close hand of this that I was not willing to give him. Um, so I was just choosing kind of at this point to live in my addiction and shame. And two summers ago, um, I kind of hit my rock bottom. I just turned 28 and had a relationship come to an end that I didn't even realize would affect me as deeply as it did. And I didn't know how to cope with that. I was just really, I, mean, I was crying for the first time in years. And, experiencing which I couldn't deal with and I started acting out and um, just was making really bad decisions and my decisions was escalating and I was I was no longer in control of my actions anymore. And I felt great. At this point in my life I was letting myself just go and I felt okay for the first time in my life. And I woke up one morning realizing like life is awesome right now. Life is really good. And then I just remember thinking who am I? Like, I don't even recognize myself. I don't recognize this person. And I was in denial about it, and it really scared me that, and my sister made me realize this because I called her later that day, but she made me realize and, and, and face the fact that I was feeling my best when I was truly at my most broken and farthest from God. And in that moment, I knew, and kind of she told me, <laughs> that I had to get some serious help, that I couldn't. This way. I was at work there and I either choose to go walk straight here away from God towards death and towards just a horrible life, or I could choose to work and to give this to the Lord finally. Um, I, she told me, I called her on a Saturday, and she told me, you know, I'm going to call you back at the end of the week on Friday, and I expect you to have a counseling appointment set. And if you know me, I'm a people pleaser, so I was like, okay, gotta do it. Gotta do it for um, And so, sure enough, I, I scheduled an appointment literally the minute before she called me on Friday. I'm harassing me all the way. But um, I started going to counseling, and uh, my counselor suggested I go to SA meetings, which are like the equivalent of AA for alcoholics for sexual addiction. And um, it was then that I was really introduced to the 12 steps, what they were a little bit more deeply, and I realized that like I wanted to try this, like I wanted to try sobriety, and try it all through my life, different seasons. I would be lucky if I made it a couple weeks or maybe a month or two. Um, but this is something that I knew I really wanted to try and commit to, and I knew that it was something I couldn't do just on my own. Like I had to have a partner someone like the Lord. And so I remember only it was like a Christian version of the 12 steps because I really need my faith to be integrated in this. I don't want to just go through the 12 steps. Um, and literally the next week, this was an answer to prayer when I you know, started, started you know, planning seeds of, of this power of prayer in me. But the next week, 
Um, and then we can meet Ethos email everyone is a little what are about four women from Ethos that were leading another round of celebrate recovery, which is a price set and twelve step program. And I was like, all right, like I'm gonna do it. It was it was for women and it was supposed to be about addiction and, and shame. And um, so I, I decided to get plugged into that and committed to doing that for the next about for the next year with about ten women and it was at this point in my life where I now saw the two parallel lives I was living, one for God, one for God, collide and come together. Um, I was allowing God into the other half of my life. And I was no longer listening and believing the lies of shame, but wanting to understand and run after the truths of God. And um, I started doing that, and last summer I um, went back to counseling. I had, that was kind of when I had been faced with a couple of friends who counseled that and said, hey, like you're a victim. Like you have a lot of um, a lot of damage and effects from this sexual trauma. Like yes, like you might have chosen this throughout like to a point, but like you also were a victim from the beginning and you need to like really address those issues. So I went back to counseling and started kind of um, working through some of the, the effects from that and uh, did a couple of months of EMDR therapy, which is therapy that helps you kind of it focuses on PTSD and um, just the psychological damage that you can have from that. So I went through that and um, through last fall and winter and last October, I finished the 12 steps to celebrate recovery after a year and then and then this week I'll be celebrating a year and seven months and two weeks sober. myself 
over and over again. I had to be transparent and vulnerable with friends and invite them in and allow them to walk alongside of me. I had to stare at fear, shame, and rejection in the face and fight for healing despite of that. And I realize now that as much as I wanted God to take my addiction away from me all of those years, I never actually wanted to give it to him. And there's a difference when, you know, we are wanting God to just remove something, and yet we still realize, hey, but I don't actually want you to remove that. And if he were to try to remove that, would we just keep going back to that? Um, so it was in this recovery that I had to kind of realize that I was having to give this over to Lord and surrender myself over and over and over and over again. Uh, but because of that, I have truly seen and experienced so much darkness and pain and brokenness, but I can really fully see and believe and understand the power of Christ's redemption and the power that I have in Him. I can experience His love fully because I know what it's like to not allow myself to receive that love. And um, I struggle sometimes with with my future and my present now, just kind of feeling like I wasted those, those years, um, just kind of starting my life now. And, um, you know, I just, I just keep telling myself, reminding myself that the Lord is faithful, but he's not also not finished with me yet. He's not finished with any of our stories yet. Um, I, Joshua mentioned a couple weeks ago about how our scars are a testimony of uh, where God's brought us from, just like the scars on his hands and feet show Thomas, you know, the, the life that he now had from the grave. And I have a lot of scars. I have a lot of scars. Some are still cuts that are, you know, not quite scars yet. They're still healing. And um, I now so clearly see how God is using those scars to be a testimony to where he's brought me from. And even, like Josh said, even um, in the last, I don't know, eight months or whatever, especially the first time he came out publicly to talk about this and share my info story, you know, share it with, you know, on social media with my friends and family, um, I've seen God using those scars over and over and over in the lives of other people. Scars that I wouldn't have had if I, you know, had magically one prayer got rid of this when I was little. There are so many lives that he is changing because of my scars. And that's something I think we oftentimes um, forget, that sometimes we've gone through seasons solely so we can be there for somebody else when they go through it. Um, and I, I'm up here saying, you're like, oh, you know, I was in darkness, not in light, and I have freedom, and I'm sober, and I, it's so easy for you to make me think like I have it all together, and that it's easy now. My life is like going really, really great, um, but it's not. Um, sobriety is super hard. Sometimes it's harder than it was living in addiction. You know, I actually have, I don't have my drug, I actually feel my emotion. And it, does, it also doesn't mean that I'm, you know, free from temptation. It doesn't mean that I'm free from fighting to believing those lies, um, just this past weekend, I got a box in the mail from my parents, an unexpected box. It was a, a box of 30 presents to do a 30-day countdown before my 30th birthday, and I started, I opened it, I know, right? I opened this box and started weeping, like, not even, like, crying, like, ugly weeping, and I, like, I couldn't even face my this because I was such a wreck, and I And in that moment, I realized that the past couple months, I had decided that it was me a lie that my parents didn't love me, that even my family didn't really care about me. I don't see them that often in Pennsylvania, and so I, I sometimes feel that loneliness and that separation. 
and say we will use any tool and weapon we can to let us slide back. And so, freedom in Christ, like writing, it's not always easy. You know, it is a journey. God is continuing to, to redeem me and to teach me new things and to love me and show me even more depths of his love all the time, but it's still a battle. It's still a fight. Um, I always kind of have this, this picture in mind of, of me still fighting in this war for the rest of my life, and now I have the right weapons, and I can stand against the attacks of Satan, and I know that there is victory in the end now, because before I was so hopeless. Um, another verse I want to share with you guys, Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, that your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall become like gold. And I love that verse because it first reminds me that I need to bring my crap to the Lord. I need to show up and, um, and open my hand to things in my life that I don't want to, that aren't honoring him or that aren't honoring myself, even if he's called me out of hand. Um, but when I do that, he's waiting to have a sense. He is just waiting to love us and to show us his grace. We just need to come to him with that. Um, I don't know what darkness or sin in you guys might walk through, what you might have experienced in the past, what lies you believe now, feeling shame or or pride or anything that is, is holding you drawing closer to the Lord. Um, but just know that your story is not finished yet, and that God is faithful, and that you need to continue to come to Him. Um, Philippians 1 6 says, and I'm sure of this, that He will do a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You guys, God is doing so much in each of our lives if we're willing to surrender to Him. I can say that because I have seen my work in progress. I have seen the molding me. In, um, through middle school and high school, I had always looked for resources. Um, if we got like, a great start for a park, our parents would take us to Hackman's Bible bookstore and we got like a CD or a book or something. Um, and I always looked, I always like meet my parents and look around for anything I could find on this topic or anything for women and sexual sin and never find anything. There's nothing out there. And I remember in high school thinking, you know what, God, if I ever overcome this, I want to write a book about this. I want to talk about this. Like I, I want to be the resource that I didn't have. And in the fall when I gave my Eva story, I remember I was sitting in the back room and had five or six male leader, church leadership, praying over me, not even knowing what I was about to speak on. Um, and I just remember thinking, like, if only five-year-old Sarah had this, if only 15-year-old Sarah had this, you know, I am, I am now going out and, and speaking because God is calling me to do that because my story is not over yet because your stories are not over yet. Yeah. Um, so as Josh said, you know, I'm going to keep, I'm kind of walking in this new season of life, figuring out what that looks like in ministry, and um, we'll be leaving the road class alongside another attender, Cody Hunter, who helps out a lot here as well. So we'll be leaving the road class in. Um, I just want to encourage you guys to, to figure out what it is in your life that you might be walking through now that God's calling you out of, the darkness that you're not wanting to give to Him, and learn about that. And if, you know, if this kind of mission, or if you are just interested in learning more, um, we would love to have you come. It's just kind of an education awareness class over three weeks. And um, if it's something else, like find somebody. Even if, it, you know, if it's nothing that I can relate to or that Josh would do, like, we have a wonderful EVO staff across all three campuses 
and we would love to walk through things with you and help you. Um, and we just want you to, to feel and know the true love of God and, and realize the redemption that you can have out of that. Um, we're going to go to a time of discussion. All right, you want to? Okay. I'll come up and say something. Okay. Yeah, so we're going to go to a time of discussion. And Josh has his students every week where we kind of get together. You can circle up your chairs. Beautiful out. You can go on the patio on the side porch. Um, however you want to just kind of pick to a few people to, to go with you, and um, just some questions to really think about and discuss with each other is, one, what are some seasons or areas of darkness and wilderness or sin that you're facing, or what are some lies that you're believing? And if you put that not, suppose that with people yet, that's okay. Just admit that to yourself and bring it to God. Admit that to God at this time. Um, and then also, if there are seasons that you have seen God's redemption, if there's something that he's kind of resurrected you from, share that with each other. Because we need to hear those stories. Um, those are our scars, and they're meant to be shown to people. Uh, so, yeah, we, did you want to say okay, something for you? Give me
get bread and juice and dismiss and get that. And uh, I do want to invite you to your chairs. And I just I want you to, to kind of share on one thing. Where is a place that you've seen God's redemption, whether in your life or someone else's, where you've just seen someone experience healing? So if you hear you're like, I don't really believe in God, like where have you seen someone experience healing? Um, and then secondly, if there is something that you're like, I need to confess some stuff, I need some stuff, I need to say stuff out loud, Sarah and I and some other people in the pastoral team will be in the back. And so if you want to have a discussion, get real, like we'd love to do that with you, pray with you, talk with you, be connected to counselor, we'll do anything we need to do. Um, we'd love to talk with you. So I'm going to pray for us. Um, that all this is to communion. And then I really want to invite you to circle your chairs, three to five people, and just share where have you seen God's redemption in your story or in someone else's story. And then also we're going to talk with you in the back. So we pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking through Sarah. We love you. We lift up your name, King Jesus. Thank you that your scars testified to your life after being killed, that you resurrected for real. Thank you that Sarah's scars testify of a life and freedom she has. Thank you that that is for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.